who said, you know, moms, where would they be without us? And I said, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't say that. You know, sometimes we as, as dads may feel a little left out, but your day is coming. It's always tomorrow. And you know tomorrow never gets here. So dads, take it on a chin, all right? But really, moms, you are, you are amazing. When, when I look at the moms I know, and I know quite a few moms, um, you really embody a lot of the characteristics of our, our Lord, our God, who is loving and merciful and patient and kind and, and just faithful. Um, it's amazing. One of the things that my wife didn't tell you, and I will, uh, our sons said to her, you are the best example of a Christian that I know. Which I celebrated her, and then I said to the boys, what about me? <laughs> because us as dads, you know, we, we don't want to be completely left out. But this is Mom's Day, and Mom's, uh, you know that usually what happens is there's a big celebration. They take you out to eat or, or make a great meal for you. Do you know on Father's Day, the number one thing to do is to have dad's barbecue. You have to make your own meal. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's an amazing thing because moms and dads, you know, you, you raise kids and we don't know what's going to happen until we step back and, and watch them grow. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way they'll go and when they're old, they won't depart. So you've got to, we have to really be aware that just as my wife said, you know, our kids are eyewitnesses and earwitnesses to, to everything. And it's not just moms and dads. You as a congregation, you have a huge impact on the kids that are around you and, and watch you. Watch how you, you interact with each other, how you worship God. Uh, that's why we have Family Worship Sunday. We want the kids to see grown-ups not afraid to lift their hands, not afraid to express their love and appreciation to God. Because they need to understand that what's out there is not the way it's supposed to be. What's happening in, in Christians should be what they, they follow. Now, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. All of us need to improve. But that's where we've got to be aware. We've got to be intentional about what we do. And uh, um, just... You know, one of the things that we did as the kids grew up, we, we read them bedtime stories. And that was, that was for a number of reasons. We, we wanted to help teach them to read these little books that, that we were reading to them. We wanted to inform them of things and encourage them. We wanted them also to go to sleep. So when I would read, just like what happens here on Sunday mornings, people go to sleep. <laughs> but I... I We've got to pick out the right materials. And, and moms usually do a great job of that. My wife is, is amazing at that. But us dads sometimes, and this is not smash dad day, but I just have to put it down where it's real. Uh, sometimes we have to really get some help because we don't always pick the right things to read to our kids. And I just want to give you a little insight, dads. If you're still reading stories to your kids, don't read this book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. 
because it's a story about a 12-year-old who wakes up in the morning. He went to bed with gum in his mouth and wakes up in the morning with gum in his hair, and I don't know anything about that. But he gets out of bed and he slips on his skateboard, and then it goes downhill from there. And throughout the whole day, it's really bad, even to the point where he gets to dinner and they have lima beans. Now, there's only one thing worse, in my opinion, of having lima beans, and that's Brussels sprouts, those little mutant cabbages. <laughs> but he made it through dinner and he finally goes to bed and, and it just, it never ends. He's, he's getting ready to go to bed and his brother steals his pillow. And on top of that, the cat won't sleep with him, wants to sleep with his brother. Now, some of you are like, there's nothing wrong with that. But for those of you that really love cats, that's, that's, that's traumatic. But think about reading this story that it goes bad, 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 and then he goes to bed, and it's all bad. Now, some people think that's what life is. You know, sometimes we think, man, this has been an awful day. I hope tomorrow is better. And, and I just... This song goes through my head of little orphan Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> but I won't torture you with that. But it's not going to just change because we go to sleep and we wake up. We have to be intentional. We have to realize that, that there are a couple of plans. There are more than a couple of plans out there for your life. You have your own plan. Who else has a plan for you? Yes, God has a plan for you. Who else has a plan for you? That's right. Of, of all three of those, the two you have to be aware of is don't be ignorant that the enemy has a plan for you. He's got plans for you today. How many of you know his plans are going to be awful? Right? Because, because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What of that do you want? None. But he's still planning for you. And God has a plan. The Bible tells us that the plans God has for us is for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. But you have to choose. I have to choose. I have to make an intentional determination of what I am going to follow each day. And that's why we've been, been learning about how important it is to fear God. Because without that, the fear of God, and it's not a terror in itself, but there is a, a, a reverence, there is an honor that is in the fear of God. There is also a very big awareness of being in awe of God when, when we are just aware that God is God. We've heard so much about God being our best friend and closer than a brother and all those things, and he loves us no matter what, which is all true. But understand this. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. And you know that feeling when you're driving down the road and you see a police car? Yeah, it's kind of like a wave. It goes through the crowd. And immediately, for most of us, it's this moment of, 
And I look down at the speedometer and I'm thinking, ooh. And that's kind of what happens when we get really in the presence of God, when we really know who God is, when we really have a preeminent adoration and awe of God, that he, he is God. He is the creator. He's your creator. He's my creator. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we're, we're a little flippant with God. Sometimes a little overly casual. Hey, what are you doing? We're talking to our creator. How should we address him? It, it shouldn't be so formal, but it should be comfortably uncomfortable. Because he is God. And he knows everything about us. There's nothing hidden. And today we're going we're gonna, to, again, look at the importance of fearing God, but also being in awe of God. And before we do, I just want to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. You are here. As you are everywhere we go. But not only are you around us, as we have put our faith in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, to receive the forgiveness for our sins and the cleansing, you have come to live in us. Father, we're so grateful that you are the most high God, but you're also the most nigh God, the most near to us that anyone could ever be or will ever be. And today... We thank you for your presence, but Father, we request your participation. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your grace. We need your power. We need your purity. And so, Father, we, we look to you and we listen for you because your word says we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to speak your word today to your beloved, the church, that, Father, we would hear your word and heed your word. That, Father, we would experience the revelation from Holy Spirit from your word and in applying it to our life would experience transformation. Father, we thank you as your word goes forth today. It's life and health to those who find it. We thank you for healings today. Father, we thank you for the miracle of salvation and every other miracle that's possible for you your your word is truth and it sets people free we thank you for liberation today to be able to be liberated not to do our own thing freed to do our own thing we are freed to serve you which is what we were created for for your pleasure and so father i thank you for ears and hearts to hear your word that we would hide your word in our heart, that we wouldn't sin against you. Because when we get off track from you, from your word, from your will, from your way, from your kingdom, we move into the realms of sin, and, and sin brings death. So, Father, you are the God of life. Jesus, you came to give us life and life more abundant. So we thank you for abundant life in this place and in our lives. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said...
Amen, amen, amen. Well, we last week looked at a a scripture in Psalm 33, verse 8, which is a powerful scripture because people sometimes wonder, what are we here for? What are we here for? What are we here for? And, And this tells us, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord, revere and worship him. Now, there are people that, that revere, they have great honor and respect for a lot of things, and God isn't one of them. We're living in a society that has turned farther and farther away from God and is continuing to do that. And that's why we as Christians need to stand up and be light in the world and salt in the earth and, and stand for what's true. But we need to revere and worship him. And then it says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him in awe of him. And we're, we're awed by a lot of things, but many times God isn't at the head of the list where he needs to be. We're in awe of uh, this thing and that thing and this person and that person. And, and you know, they, they may have accomplished some things, but let's just make a comparison. We've, we have, as human beings have built some amazing structures and done some amazing feats, but who can do what God does? No one. And that's why no one, no one should be lifted up to come anywhere near how much honor we have for God, how we are in awe of God. Uh, last week, I shared with you that we we have lost awe in our society. There's nothing that causes people to go, even the bad stuff. We have become so acclimated to the bad stuff. I am, I, I, I was shocked when I heard how many mass shootings we've had in our nation already this year. But you know how long that lasted? Just minutes. It's just like everything that goes on. We have become so acclimated to the bad, to things that should, in a a, a negative way, cause us to be in awe. I can't believe it. I'm just amazed by this. And yet God, who is with us everywhere all the time, rarely are we in such awe of the fact that the creator of everything seen and unseen His eye is on you. His heart is with you. His desire is for you. And yet we want, we're seeking and searching for other people to to like us, to affirm us, to encourage us. And God will do all of that if we'll let him, but he won't force himself on us. And then a little farther down in that same, same chapter, in verse 18, it says this, Behold the eyes of the Lord upon those who fear him, who revere and worship him with awe, who wait for him and hope in his mercy and loving kindness. I shared with you a number of weeks ago about a scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, where it says the eyes of the Lord are searching everywhere across the earth, searching for someone. Now, there are billions of people in the earth, and God has to search for someone whose heart 
is fully turned or loyal to him so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. Right here we see God's eye is upon those who fear him, who revere him, who worship him, are in, and are in awe with him, whose hearts are loyal to him, are loving him, are honoring him, are desiring his will in their life. And that should be every one of us, shouldn't it? But God's not expecting perfect because he knows there was only one that came that was perfect, and that was his son. And yet he's at work in us. If we'll let him, almighty God who created everything can do anything, but will not override our choice, our freedom. If we don't want him working in our lives, something else will. And he won't force it. You know, that's the one thing I, I, I say this here because I can. <laughs> but I say, I want to get to heaven. And I want to say, God, why didn't you just make us do this stuff? It would have been so much easier. But he won't because he loves us. And because he loves us, he won't control us. Jesus came to give you freedom from the control of sin. God's not now going to take you and now control you and make you do right, make me do right. But he gives us everything all the time that we need in every situation, every circumstance to make the right choice, to go the right direction, to do the right thing. The Bible says that he's in work, at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. He's right there. You talk about mentors. You talk about coaches. You talk about somebody that can help us navigate every situation, no matter how big or how small. There's nothing too small for God to, to be involved with. And there's nothing too big that God can't be involved with. But it's all up to us. Where, where are we going to allow God to work in our lives? And that slice of our lives is where we're going to start to experience the freedom and the joy and the peace and the abundant life that God has for us. And our goal as we live here in the earth, this portion of life, because this isn't all there is. There's eternity beyond here. And as we live here, we're supposed to be widening that gap of where God is working to where, just like Jesus, remember what Jesus said what he did, he came to do the will of his father, but he said, I always do those things that what? Please him. That's the goal of our life. And it's not just so that God gets his way. Because in our lives, when God gets his way, then his way gets in us. When we give him his way, his will in our lives, his way and his will begins to work and saturate our lives. And we need that desperately because if not, we're going to be flooded by the things of the world. And, and you know, I was talking to somebody on Saturday morning. They were telling me, I can't, I cannot stand to watch news anymore. And, and, and very few programs on TV. 
because it just affects me too much. And I said, well, what's the effect? He said, it's awful. I get depressed. I get anxious. I get angry. I have the full gamut of emotions, but they're all negative. And, and what can we expect from the world? You can't find peace. You can't find joy. You can't find hope. You can't find love, real love, unconditional love in the world out there because they don't have it. You can't get from them what they don't have. And the only one that is a source of all peace, all joy, all hope, all love is who? God. And yet we're going out there looking for all that stuff that they can't give instead of turning to the one that is right there with us that wants to abundantly give this to you and me. So just like we saw, God was setting you up, just like we saw the Skittles. When, when Taylor pulled out the Skittles, Kalani was sitting right here in the front row. I heard her all the way over here. <gasps> I like Skittles. <laughs> and, and some of us are in enough control over ourselves. We didn't do the same thing, but we were thinking the same thing. But just as they overflowed, God has for your life to be overflowing with his life because you have made his will your will. You've chosen because that's the only way it happens. It doesn't happen uh, because you just happen to be born in America, so you're a Christian. No, you're not. That would be like saying, hey, you're at McDonald's, you're a hamburger. A Christian by the very name Christian, the word, is Christ follower. And there are too many of us Christians that aren't following Christ the way we need to. People don't know we're Christian because of how we act. We act just like them or sometimes worse. And it's time to let God have his way. Seek God. Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And the Bible says all these other things. And it's referring to all the other things that people that don't know God, don't know Jesus, are running after that they can't catch because they can't run fast enough. But he says when you seek first the kingdom of God, God having his will, his way in our lives, and his righteousness, the right way of doing things, all these other things will be added to you. That means like UPS. That means like Amazon, it'll bring it right to you. You don't have to run after that stuff. That stuff runs after you. That stuff overflows you. And I, I, I honestly, I have no clue why I'm sharing this this morning. But obviously we need, I need to hear it, you need to hear it. We need to take note. We need to be aware that when we walk out of these doors today, there is going to be an onslaught to try and rob the word that you hear here today. And the only way it's going to work is if we hide God's word in our heart that we won't get off track. Because we need the words of life. And that's God's word. But his eyes are on 
on you as you, you worship him, as you revere him, as you are in awe of him. And, and we've been learning and un- trying to understand about what this is to be in awe of God. And, and it's not a unique problem for our time with all the things that are out there to distract us. In Jeremiah chapter 5, God takes Israel to task. He, he, he points to them and starts to tell them, you need to change. He says, why don't you honor me? Why aren't you in awe before me? Now, this, is, this was written thousands of years ago, and yet... It is being spoken to us today, and there's good reason. He said, yes, me who made the shorelines to contain the ocean waters. I drew a line in the sand that cannot be crossed. Waves roll in but can't get through the breakers. The breakers crash, and that's the end of them. Go ahead. It never occurs to them to say, how can we honor God with our lives? I just want to take a Selah moment. Throughout the Psalms, it says Selah. After after a portion of Scripture, it means to pause and reflect. Think about it. It never occurs to them to say, how can we honor God with our lives? How many times throughout the day do we think about that? How how can I honor God in this moment? (laughs) I was, I was, I just pulled into my driveway on the motorcycle. And some of you may say, are you on that thing again? Yup. And I pulled into the driveway and I opened the garage door and I put the motorcycle in the garage. And this truck is backing up down the driveway. And and the guy stops and he says, I thought you were going to ride it. Who is this guy? I don't know him from anybody. And he's talking to me like he needs to tell me what to do. And, you know, my flesh is just so bad. And in that moment, I wasn't thinking, how do I honor God in this moment? But I was thinking, how do I not dishonor God in this moment? And so I I felt this nudge from Holy Spirit not to ignore this guy who's accosting me, but to go out and talk to him. And so I went out. This guy told me his life story. And and told me, he he does yard work, told me about the neighbor's life story. (laughs) And he used very colorful language. And, and, you know, I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry you've had a really tough day. And I'm sorry that you, you continue to have difficult times with people. But you know what? I'm going to be praying for you that, that people will appreciate the work that you're doing. And, and they'll pay you what it's worth. Because he was telling me about one place where uh, the guy hired them to clean out the leaves and the sticks and things like that. And they'd done it. And he said, I'm not paying you. And I said, people do that? He said, yeah, all the time. And, and, <laughs> and the owner of the company, this guy doesn't own it, he just works for him. The owner of the company said, well, we better go on to the next job. And this guy said, no, I'm not leaving until we get paid. 
And the owner said, well, I'm going on to the next job. You do what you're going to do. And so he went back and he talked to the guy and, and the guy said, well, I don't like the way you did it. And so I'm not paying you. He said, well, what about 150? That was half the price of what it was. The guy said, no, not doing it. And he said, okay, you know what? I can't make you pay me, but I'm putting it back where it was. And he, he got in the truck and he backed it up to the driveway and was about to dump it. And the man said, no, 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 no. I'll pay you $100. He said, no, 130 and we'll call it quits. He said, okay. And he drove off. And I said, well, you know what? I'm sorry that, that that's been going on, but uh, I, I'll pray for you. And he just looked at me. I didn't say, and by the way, I'm Pastor Jeff, and I just want to pray for you. But in that moment, there was a, huh. oh. Now, did he get saved? No. But it's a seed sown. Our lives are supposed to be lived for the glory of God and the benefit of others. And when we're in awe of God, we want to do what, what God wants. What does he want? Instead of living like the world that we've come out of, we're no longer in this world. We're, 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 we're in this world. We're not of this world. We're no longer a part of what is going on as far as being just like everybody else. You're different. You have God living in you. Man, that should make our lives radically different. People should be able, not because we're crazy, not because we do weird things. Because Jesus wasn't crazy and he didn't do weird things, but people knew they needed to get to him. And people wanted him coming to them. Not the religious people, but the people that were in the world that were without hope, without God. And the same thing should be said about us. But if we're not in awe of God, if we're not honoring God, if we're not revealing God, revering God and worshiping God, we're not going to look any different than anybody else. And we should. It was said of the disciples, these are unlearned men. But they're different. They said, but they had been with Jesus. Their lives were marked by God working in their lives, God being present in their lives. And it should be said of us. So he says it never occurs to them to say, how can we honor our God with, with our lives? The God who gives both rain, rain in the, in the spring and autumn, and maintains the rhythm of the seasons, who sets aside time each year for the harvest and keeps everything, everything, everything running smoothly for us. How do you think the earth just keeps going around the sun? Well, physics says, I failed physics, so I'm not going to tell you what physics says. But it's God. The Bible tells us Jesus holds everything together. You know, they're discovering this God particle. Science is even confirming it. Running smoothly for us. Of course you don't. Your bad behavior blinds you to all this. Your sin keeps my blessings at a distance. 
It's not just a phrase where the Bible says wages, the payoff, the result of sin is death. It keeps robbing the blessings of God. You're entitled to the blessings of God as a child of God. Everything that God has is yours. And yet, the enemy absolutely deceptively works in our lives to cause us to go a direction away from God and let go of our blessings, lose our blessings, have our blessings stolen. And if our blessings are stolen from us, then we can't be the blessing God has for us to be to others. And that's why it's so important that we regain the awe of God. Without it, we are not going to be able to live the way God wants us to live, to be the way God wants us to be, we need to be, and others need us to be. And so I, I gave you a definition of the fear of the Lord. It was broken down into three words. And if you would put that up, it's the preeminent adoration and awe of God. And we've talked about the preeminent part of it. It means to be first and priority. God is first priority in our lives. Nothing comes before God. Now we all have adjustment to make there. And then first in value, nothing more valuable in our lives. And first in influence, nothing more influential in our, our lives. And so that's the first part of it. But then there's adoration. There is this fervent, devoted love and worship of God. Uh, what are you passionate about? Of all things in our lives, we should be most passionate about God. God has done more for us than anybody else, and what he's been able to do in our lives is what we've let him do. What we've allowed him to do when we've partnered with him. And if you don't see a lot of God working in your life, consider whether you're engaging God and letting him work and working with him in your life, or you're just trying to do it yourself. And then awe, this awe. We've never really broken it down, and we're going to do it today. The word awe, I, I've given you four words that, that always show up when you define awe. One is veneration. Veneration means to show the highest respect and honor because of his greatness and his holiness. Sometimes we don't realize, we don't think about, because our minds can't truly comprehend. We can't wrap our brains around the greatness of God. No matter how great you think he is, he's way beyond that. And holy. He is absolutely perfectly holy. No sin. Never done anything wrong. Never will do anything wrong. He is holy. He is perfect. And, and we get a word from this, this. Another word that's associated with this is hallowed. Now, we know this. You know this word. If you know the Lord's Prayer... The first thing, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, awesome is your name. Then we have the word exaltation. And exaltation means to lift up, to elevate, to celebrate, to praise in the highest way. And another word that's associated with that is extol. We extol him. You know, we... we we sing the praises of restaurants. Come on. And of products. And of vehicles. 
and of all sorts of things. But how are we really, is it just limited to Sunday morning we're singing the praises of God? Because we ought to be singing his praises all the time everywhere. Now, what I'm telling you, please understand, what I'm saying here this morning is the goal. That's where we're, we're, we want to get to. Are we ever going to make it perfectly? No. But we need to gain ground on this, church. We need to become more appreciative, more aware, more worshipful, more honoring, more exalting of God. Then the third word is, is a word that may not be real familiar, trepidation. And it means to be concerned or apprehensive or hesitant, uneasy or nervous, even respectfully fearful. You know, this, this is what happens when somebody gets called into the principal's office. Now, the principal isn't there to do something bad to anybody but because of who the principal is. There is this hesitation, this uneasiness about going in because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But we can be sure, we should be sure, that they are going to do the right thing and the best thing. Now, in our society, that doesn't always happen. Whether it's in the education system or in the business world, but I can tell you this, without exception, God is always going to do the right thing, always going to do the best thing. But we should walk in with this, oh, he's God. I need to hear what he's about to say to me. I need to make the realignment, the adjustment that that is going to come because, you know, God's not going to affirm you all the time. God's going to correct us. The Bible says who he loves, he chastens, he corrects. And we don't like correction. Let's just get that out of the way. We don't want anybody correcting us. But every one of us needs somebody speaking into our lives to correct us. Because without it, you are dangerous to you and the rest of us. There are things you don't see about yourself that we all see. And you need to know. Because without it, you're going to have a train wreck. And you're going to take some of us along with you. But that's where, that's where when, when we... Let people in to help us. And they speak things that are not, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're amazing. And you may be that sometimes. But I can guarantee you, you're not that all the time. Don't poke somebody on that. Please don't poke anybody. Don't look at them and say. <laughs> but this, this, is necessary that we have such a high level of respect and just amazement at God that 
we know. We know there are things in our life that need to change. And so we just don't go bobbing in with God and saying, hey, how are you doing, big guy? I know it's, it's, it's a way sometimes we take the edge off of that discomfort, uncomfortable, uneasiness of being with God. And, you know, most people don't want to just be with God. But the Bible tells us, be still and know that I am God. And we have music and we have this and we have that all gone because we're afraid of silence and just being with God. But I want you to know there's nobody you and I need to be with alone more than God. We need that alone time with God. We need that quiet time with God. And I'm not talking about pulling out your Bible in the morning and just doing the devotion. I'm talking about being quiet, being still, listening for God. He already knows what's in your heart. Don't play games with God. Be real with God. When you read the Psalms, David and the psalmists were real with God. Man, I'm, you know, God, this is, this is a no good Horrible, very bad day. And yet you get it out, but you get it out to God who can do something about it. And he may not do something immediately about what's going on out there, but he can help do something about what's going on in here. Where we've lost all our peace and we've lost all our joy and we've lost all our hope, but we haven't lost God who gives that all, but we've still lost it because we've looked to something or someone else. And we're not looking at God in awe saying, God, with you all things are possible. I'm struggling with this. And instead of going to him say, saying, oh, God, I'm so grateful for you. You're, uh, and, and, and just blowing smoke at God. And he is, but you've got to be real. You've got to start where you are. I've got to start where I am. If I do not acknowledge what's going on in my life to God, then I'm in denial and that's deception. And we have to be real. God is real. God knows. God wants us to come clean with him and say, God, I need help. God, I'm struggling. I'm hearing all this stuff about banks failing and I'm struggling. But God, I know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know that you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, not according to the economy. And all of a sudden, something that was always there available to us begins to work in us. And that peace and that joy, that hope, that confident expectation of good brings a security and a stability. And, and that no good, horrible, very bad day hasn't changed, but it's changed. That's what God wants to do in everyone's life. But he can only do it in the lives of us who, who choose to give him the preeminence.
the adoration and be in awe of him. Because then we, when we're in awe, we know he knows more than we do. We know he can do more than we can. We know he has way more resources than we have. And all of a sudden we look to him and say, God, have your way. Have your way. And there's something about awe. And I, I want you to understand this. Let me give you magnification real quickly. It means to make great, to enlarge through praise, appreciation, and gratitude. Oh, magnify the Lord. Now, you can't magnify God bigger than he is because you'll never get bigger than he is. He's always bigger than we can ever think. He can always do more than we can ever imagine or dream. And he said he will if, if, if we'll give him a chance. But something about awe that is really, really interesting. Awe causes our attention to be drawn to what we are in awe of. And when it's God, our attention and our focus is drawn away from ourselves, our situations, to God. And we begin to look at God in spite of what's going on or what's happening or what we're feeling. We're looking at God. And with God, we know all things are possible. We know God loves us unconditionally. We know God wants the best for us, wants us to experience abundant life and peace and joy and hope, freedom, security, stability in the midst of a world that is everything not that. But our attention, when we're in awe of God, our attention is moved to him and away from us and away from all this other stuff and all of a sudden this work goes on in us. And when it goes on in us, you are carriers of the kingdom. You are carriers of the awe of God. You are carriers of the fear of God. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. You walk into a situation and there's just peace flooding off your life, overflowing. And that peace begins to have an impact to a degree on the people around you. You know how you've been in situations where you walked into a room or into a situation where you knew people had been arguing, but now they're like, but there's this tension. That's real. But just as real as that tension is, so is the peace of God. And when you and I are in awe of God, when we adore God, when we give him the pre preeminence, you walk into a situation and you don't bring tension, you bring peace. There is hope that's flooding off your life. Joy. All these things. And folks, it should be part of our lives every day. But we have to fight for this. Fight so that we don't get overwhelmed by the stuff out there. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 tells us this. Since we are receiving a kingdom... Now, it says we are receiving. That's a constant. We're constantly re receiving what God has. If we choose to, or we're going to look to receive from something or someone else. And whatever you look to, that's the best you're going to get. And that's why we need to look to the best to get the best. We are receiving a kingdom that is, what's the next word there? Oh, say it again. 
Oh, say it like you mean it. His kingdom is unshakable. That means all the shaking, all the fear, all the terror, all this stuff that's going on that is unsettling in our world. You as a Christian, you're in this world. You're not of this world. You're of the kingdom of God. That kingdom is unshakable. And you're receiving that. You have the opportunity to receive that every day. It's like manna that Israel had in the wilderness. God told them, you can't store this up. You need to go out every morning. This is my provision for you to feed you in a place that would kill you. I'm going to feed you every day with something that you can't explain, you don't understand. That's why they called it manna. Do you know that? They called it manna because do you know what manna means? What is it? Smart people. But every day they went out and they, they received the manna and ate it except for one day that they could get two portions so that they wouldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And you have this manna, this, this unshakable kingdom that's coming every day to refresh you, to renew you, to restore you, to, to empower you, to impart to you life and life more abundantly. And then it goes on to say, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and what? Ah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> holy fear and awe. Man, we should be absolutely in awe that God, almighty God, creator of everything seen and unseen, is looking at me is wanting to pour out to me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us. To us, everything we need in abundance so that we'll have an abundance to be able to spread it around. Why would we not be in awe of that? I'm telling you, when I think about God and what he's done in my life and what he has said he wants my life to be, I'm in awe of God because I don't deserve it. This isn't something I could earn. It's something that God in his love said, I love you. I'm giving this to you. But God, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I'm doing? God, I don't deserve this. And he says, no, this is, this is what I have. This is what I have to help your life become what I have for it to be. To be an example to every, everyone else. Philippians 2, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. 12 says this. Work out. Cultivate. Carry out to the goal. And fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Self-distrust with serious caution. This is the awe. Tenderness of conscience. Watchfulness against temptation. 
timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. How many times do we think about, is this going to offend God? Is this going to discredit my witness of Christ? Because I think if we even just considered that, it would have an effect on our lives. And then it goes on to say this in verse 13. For God, who? This isn't your neighbor. This isn't your boss. This, is, this isn't a life coach. This is God. God is working in you to whatever degree you let him. That you'll work with him. That you'll give him place. That you'll respond to him. And give over to him. God is working in you, giving you. Oh, and this is almost too hard to believe that it's true. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, we, we as Christians, so many times we're like, I'm trying, God, I'm trying, I'm trying to please you. It never seems to work. I, I, I always fall down because it's not about you and me trying. That's the problem. Because when we say, I'm trying, who is the focus on? Us. And we know us. And we don't do so well in the long run. But God does great in the long run. It's not about trying. It's about trusting. Turning to God and recognizing he's right there. He wants more than you need or I need. He wants to help us. And he wants to give you a desire. Some of you have been struggling. God, I, you know, I, I want a desire to read the Bible. I want a desire to pray. I want, all right. How's it been working? If it hasn't been working, then try this. God, I want you to put your desires in me. You said you would work in me to give me this desire. God, I'm asking. I'm in need. I can't do this alone. And you know what that is? That posture is a posture of humility. We're humbling ourselves. The Bible says when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, in due season, he'll lift you up. You don't have to climb up. He'll lift you up. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What pleases him. When we do what pleases God, it brings all that God has and wants in and through our lives. It's kind of like what happened with the little five-year-old girl. Mother's Day was approaching, and she went to her mom, and she said, Mommy, 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 Mother's Day is coming. What do you want? What can I get for you? And, and the mom looked at her and was just so thrilled that, that she remembered and that she wanted to do what, whatever her mom wanted. And so she listed off a few things, not big things. And, and the little girl, the little five-year-old, looked at her mom, and she had tears welling up in her eyes. And that was not what she expected. And she said, honey, what's, what's wrong? Why, why are you so upset? You asked me, and I told you. And, and I would be very happy. I'd be very pleased with any of those things that you get. She says, oh, mommy, 
I don't have any money. Do you know what happened in that moment? I know you do. Because it's what every mom would do. She reached into her purse and she pulled out more money than the little girl needed and gave it to her. And the little girl went off and got a number of things that the mom wanted and came to her and said, see, mommy, I got you what you wanted. But do you know that mom, just like you moms, are exactly like what God is like. When we go to him and we say, God, what do you want? And we see what God wants. And we realize we don't have what we need to be able to give him what he wants. And not just what he wants, what he wants for us. And when we come to that place of recognizing we can't do this without God, but then also recognizing we don't ever have to do anything without God because God reaches in to all he has and brings out and gives to you more than what you need. The Bible says he'll do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that's at work in you, and that's the power of God. You know, I, I want to close this out because I, I want to remind you, what, what, what kind of day does the enemy want you to have? Right, would you put that up, what the enemy wants us to have? Would you agree with this? The enemy wants you to have an awful day. That's what he wants you to have today. But I want to tell you that God wants you to have an awful day too. Some of you are like, hey, what are you talking about? But I want you to see, he wants you to have an awful day. This day that is filled with awe of him. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, the awe-filled day of God is there for you. Amen? God is so good, isn't he? And moms, we hope you have an awful day. <laughs> See, now, now we're going to have some people really, really confused when they come in here and somebody says, I hope you have an awful day. And they're like, I don't want to go to that church. No, let me explain. God does want you to have a, a day filled with awe beyond anything you can imagine or dream. But you can't have it without him. He is a God of awe. He is amazing. He is awesome. And until we receive him into our lives, he can't do the awesome things that he wants to do. He can't open your eyes to see the awe of him all around. And so if you would just bow your heads for a moment, whether you're here in person today or if you're online, there is a a need in every one of our lives. And that is a need to have God in our lives. Our world was broken back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve no longer feared God, no longer gave God the preeminence, no longer adored God above anything else, no longer were in awe of God. They chose to turn and disregard God, dishonor Him, 
And sin came in, and that sin is still working in the world that we live in. But in the midst of a world that is broken and filled with sin, God wants to cause you as he comes into your life to heal you, to cleanse you, to restore life and life more abundant in you, overflowing. Renew that awe and that honor for him. And so if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Lord or if you're online, I'm going to invite you to pray with me today to receive the only one that can make your life the best and cause your life to have impact and influence in a life-giving way to the people around you. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross, died for my sins, was raised in victory and seated at the right hand of the Father now. Today, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you to come into my life, to be Lord of my life, to govern me, to guide me, to guard me, to cause me to grow in your grace and in your knowledge, to become more like you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you... Pray that prayer today. Here, let somebody know. And you may say, I don't know anybody here, so I'm not going to tell anybody. Well, let me tell you this. If you share that with somebody here and they're part of this, this body of believers, they're going to celebrate because this is a brand new beginning. It's, it's an end of the power of sin in your life, controlling your life, but it's the beginning. And it will always be working out that you are giving control over to the Lord. And you are experiencing that abundant life. If you prayed online, uh, let us know. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed the prayer so that we can rejoice with you. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us contact information. God is so good, isn't he? Man, he's better than we know. Kind of like your moms. Would you stand?